Hey, Daryl, how's it going? Hi, Jeff. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, welcome to the RevOps Review. I feel like you and I have known each other for quite a few years, and then we had the opportunity to work together. I get hit up so many times. Like, do you guys know Daryl Alfonso? He works at Amazon. Like, you know, Amazon's like a college campus. You you can name someone, and I'm really not going to know them. But I do know this one guy <laughs> you're talking about. I got that a lot. Totally, totally. And I've been, you know, I've been, I've been just a fan and learning from your content, I think, since the beginning. I think both of you, I both I think both of us kind of got started posting on LinkedIn around the same time, I think. So so it's been it's been a joy just to and very helpful to see to see your content. Um so thank you for all that you do. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I think we did start posting around the same time, you, me, Rosalind, quite a few others. And that was like during the pandemic, everyone was like it inside was. online and just seeing content. Yeah, it was pretty cool. However, I have met Rosalind multiple times and I haven't, I've yet to meet you and we're like in the same <laughs> state, same area. So, so we have to fix that soon. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, okay. So for the folks who don't know you and they're listening to this, can you uh, maybe give a little intro to yourself and you know where you're at? Yeah, sure. So I'm Daryl Alfonso. Currently, I'm the Director of Marketing Strategy and Operations at Indeed.com. Um, previously, I ran the marketing ops team at AWS. We were like Marketo and uh, we were Marketo shop. So it was basically running the Marketo team. Um, I also am just a big ops and overall MarTech enthusiast. Um, I wrote a book called the MarTech Handbook, uh, available wherever books are sold. And just it's basically how to build and, and architect your, your, your MarTech stack. Um, and I am a frequent author of posts, articles on anything marketing ops and marketing MarTech related. That's so cool. And by the way, I want to dive into this a little bit. So over at Indeed, you came over, there's been a lot of changes, obviously, the market dynamics have probably, you know, force your hand a little bit. Uh, but you were telling me that you're, you actually don't own the tech stack. I was a little surprised by that. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more? Yeah. So at Indeed, um, the technology stack or mar the mar marketing systems is owned by IT or what we call business systems. Um, so it's a separate team, heavy on the engineering and sort of uh, solution architect side. And marketing ops is separate. So mar marketing operations deals with more of um, campaign operations, process, strategy, um, planning, and all of that. And um, it's been a really great experience because it's really kind of forced me to stretch and strengthen my influence without authority muscle. Um, and I think that what's surprising, and I, you and I were just ch chatting about this a little while ago, but what's surprising is you think that you're sort of losing control or losing sort of of a say a say in 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 certain matters, um, but it's really not the case. And it's been really really awesome to experience a new sort of side of myself and my, my leadership style that I hadn't experienced before. And it's been very fulfilling and very educational. You know, I would play a, a darker example of my career. Yeah, it's the flip side to what you just mentioned. And this is, you know, much early on in my kind of operations career, the business that I had joined had grown like six or seven fold. We did cross the $50 million mark. And at that point, the request was to move all the systems from, you know, operations over into a dedicated business systems team. 
and I was still given the option to maintain um, kind of the operations team, no longer the business systems. And quite frankly, I felt like I was losing the keys to the kingdom because those systems were an opportunity for me to learn what was happening across the business, or that's how I saw it at the time. And I felt like I was losing control, as you'd mentioned, and I felt threatened. I remember that. And uh, quite frankly, um, I probably played my card wrong, my cards wrong during that time just to be vulnerable. And so I like the idea of folks who say, play to your strengths, but you know, businesses go through this evolution where, you know, they need more from your operations partners, more than just adding a new field, making this more streamlined, reducing a few clicks, saving a few minutes here and there, compounding over X number of people. They need more than that. And so they need a business partner, not necessarily a technology delivery service. And uh, I didn't see it that way at the time. So yeah, it's really comforting to know that you're seeing this as an opportunity and kudos to you. I, I will say, and and I think I think it's common for anybody who would be losing authority over some sort of either system or people or team. Um, that's your first knee, knee jerk reaction is I'm, I'm losing something or I'm, I'm less influential or less powerful. Um, but what I found is it was actually the opposite. And I think it was, there was two things that I learned during, um, and, and at the time I was reading this, this book, you might've read it. It's called high output management. It's like, it's a, a classic by Andy Grove from Intel. And it, there's these two concepts that really just resonated with me and helped me. And one, one is the concept of vision and the other is the concept of a nudge. And I'll explain those really quickly. So vision, people think, oh, vision is like very fluffy and, and, and ambiguous. What does it mean? Um, vision just really means a point of view on how the future can be better for a team or a tool or a process. And coming to the table, I think with the stakeholders um, on at IT that, that do manage the tech stack, you could, they really respect someone that has that point of view and has that perspective on how things can be better. The other thing that I found super helpful was this concept of the nudge, which I, I thought was a complete waste of time before, but essentially it just means that you can take part in meetings where you don't really have authority, but you can nudge the meeting and nudge entire teams in the right direction just by you being there and um, you know, confidently articulating why a certain path should be taken. And um, I've found through those two things that losing the tech stack uh, I didn't really lose anything. I actually gained a, a lot of of just influence. Um, and I, I think it's made me a better leader. I love that. I think the opportunity to you know be a leader, there's different times where you're a servant leader, you're a follower, but also leading, or you're leading, you're actually in charge. And being able to express all of those different points of view or you know who you are, even in your work persona, I think that's hugely valuable. So the vision and the nudge, I love that. I actually haven't read that book. Um, even though I worked at Intel, uh, you, you would think that everyone would read that. Um, so that's interesting. So obviously I'm not going to ask you about, you know, specific MarTech projects, but you did tell me that, you know, I keep thinking of Indeed. Indeed has kind of a B2B and a B2C side of the business, uh, which makes me think you're probably doing a little bit of juggling. Uh, at work, I'm, I'm curious about you know some projects that you've been working on that kind of tackle those two segments of the market. So you know, I want to step back and say just really quickly. One of the things I really love about Indeed is we have a simple mission, and that is that we help people get jobs. And I love that. I loved my previous career for sure. 
Um, but I feel like this one specifically tugs at the heartstrings. You know, when when you, when someone gets a new job or a new career, their whole family changes the way that they support their family. They go out to dinner, and it's just been really amazing to to be to feel even more connected than in the past to to a mission. But that being said, um, we have different sets of customers. We have the job seeker, of course, people who want to get jobs. But we also have small businesses, your mom and pop, that are trying to look for talent to work at their restaurants or at their nail salon or barbershops. And then we also have enterprises that have complex hiring needs. You know, they're hiring hundreds of people at a time, you know, the the Amazons of the world, as you know, and 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 Google and, and whatnot. Um, and all of these really it's it's so interesting because all of them have different go-to-market motions, you know. So um um I think what you'll see is job seeker has a lot of brand. Brand is so important when it comes to B2C. Um, um the small business motion is more of like a PLG led motion. So a lot of email, a lot of in-product notifications to get them to automatically sign up. And we have we also on the other other side have an enterprise sales team uh, that are focusing on um, um, onboarding and and uh, delivering value to large enterprises. So you know, three different, very different sales motions requiring different tech stacks, requiring different operations. It's it's challenging, but it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. So then across probably desktop and mobile, you know, you're working with uh, probably a, a good team of folks underneath you. What's some of the most challenging or most rewarding projects that you've worked on, right? Whether it's, uh, I think I've seen Indeed on like a bunch of commercial like commercials uh, as well as on radio. Like, what does that look like from your team in terms of getting the good word out uh, in terms of marketing? Yeah, Um so there's there's many different marketing uh, groups at Indeed. We have about 500 marketers um, that work across brand, enterprise, um, product marketing, and whatnot. Um, I think we have a, a, an extremely talented um, um, set of brand marketers that really kind of manage the paid advertising, the commercials, the audio um, and radio, for example, uh, advertising that you, that you'll hear. And then there's what you would more consider the typical digital marketing sort of function. These are the email campaigns, the webinars, the promotional offers that you get. And that's that what that's what more falls into into my world. Um, I think that I'm I'm uh, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm proud of is just kind of the bringing together of these different groups. Um, you know, we recently reorganized and centralized all the marketing ops resources so that we could just have visibility into what kind of campaigns are going out and reaching our small business customers and uh, what kind of 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 you know traditional sort of sales and marketing motions that are going out and reaching our enterprise customers. Um, so bringing them together, I think that has been really great. And we're also doing um, some wonderful work around consolidated reporting. I think that reporting has been disparate uh, uh, up, up till now, just the different marketing groups have their own way. And we're looking at consolidating and having, having sort of a single view around what the customer experience looks like for, for email and also other channels. Um, so super exciting work. So then given the choice around delivering, you know, consistent messaging and reporting internally across your teams, did you guys end up operating all of your dashboards in your tooling or did you have to go and build a third party data set using like a visualization tool? I'm, I'm curious how you deliver the message to your executives and your stakeholders. Are you using native tooling reporting or are you guys moving towards 
something they, they can log into separately. You know, this is really interesting. I'd love to hear your take on it too. So mm -hmm. from my experience, when it comes to the tactical, hey, how are the campaigns performing? How are leads moving through the funnel? This is very easily um, put into some sort of data visualization tool, workflow management tool, um, um, or just, you know, some overall reporting tool that's automated. It could even be dashboards in Salesforce or something like that. Um, in my experience, presentations to leadership, especially the VP and C level, are always custom. You know, they are at at AWS. It was these really long documents <laughs> that are <laughs> that are full of spreadsheets and uh, spreadsheets, tables, and just commentary in the in you know, as you know, in in, in just a Word doc. And then at Indeed, we do it in PowerPoint. Um, here's here's my take. My take is. No matter how great and automated and accurate your dashboards can be, presentations to senior leadership are always a story. And the numbers sometimes don't tell the story in the way that is either compelling or it sort of misses some of the, the, the key points that you want leaders to know and pay attention to. But I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Um, that's, that's been my conclusion so far. I think when you look at data, they, and if you convert them into words, they don't effectively tell the story at all times. And like you said, I think you have to have a narrative around it with a specific purpose. And then you have to construct the open space for those to challenge that narrative. And therefore you have the discourse within the senior leadership team or any level of the organization so that you can co-problem solve. And I think it's up to the operator to then maybe develop insights and recommendations to be, you know, quote unquote, value added within the meeting. And so I think in terms of where to house the data, I think it makes sense to have a consistent set of sources of truth. If you have a one source of truth kind of setup where everything funnels into one place with strong data governance, you know, strong definitions around each of the data set, and then you set up an opportunity for folks to access the data, whether it's through a ticketing or partnership setup with a business partner, like a go-to-market ops, or it's a self-serve culture and you document very clearly how to get access to that data, then everyone's drinking from the same well and everyone can look at the data in one unified view or at least de-risk how they're seeing the data. And you kind of hopefully eliminate a lot of the differences of opinion or the dialects of the data that they see. But when you're getting to the point where you're doing like a monthly business review or a quarterly business review, you can then choose how you deliver that data. You can open up a dashboard, have the conversation right there live. I think that works for certain topics. But when it comes to something that needs an executive layer presentation, you mentioned Amazon, and I keep thinking about those six pagers that we would often write with the appendices that were way more than six pages. Mm -hmm. But if you needed to go to the data, you could go to the go to it. But the narrative needs to be front and center, and I think you're absolutely right. But I I, I personally still love a good third party data dashboard that folks can go to for two reasons. One is accessibility, and two is the real estate on the dashboard is so much more customizable at a tactical level than you can get in any of the other tooling that we have available, especially with a CRM or an automation platform. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. It could be it could be one. I just haven't seen 
really fantastic dashboards, maybe because I haven't worked with you personally, but um, so that could be it. Um, the other thing I think is that it also depends too on like the data and then just overall um, business, I think uh, specific literacy of your audience. You know, are they able to pull the insights from the data um, just by looking at it? And, um, you know, so I, I, you know, my, my theory is that many of, many of the audience won't be able to. Um, I even sit in meetings today and like, you know, I've been in marketing for a long time and I look at the data and I'm just like, what does this mean? Um, so, so, you know, a couple of different ways that could go. But uh, I would love someday to see the dashboards that you work with since it sound they sound amazing. Well, uh, I'm not going to see my own horn there, but I will say uh, I have a lot of room for improvement as well. So, uh, so you talked about Indeed being, you know, a place where you can find jobs. You yourself offer a resource for those who are either in marketing operations or those looking to pivot into marketing operations. Can you tell me a little bit about the course that you've been teaching? Yeah. I have, it's called the essentials of marketing operations. I did it in partnership with the learning experience Alliance, and it was really a course dedicated to either making you successful in your marketing ops job. So you get promoted or move into marketing ops as a career. And, um, um, it covers, you know, all the fundamentals, mar marketing technology, building your team, building your tech stack. One thing and that I was super proud of, I mean, it's, it's great that I'm able to teach students just in general, but one of the, one of the great stories that I had was someone took there's a there's an assignment at the end of the course where they build a marketing ops plan. Someone took that, um, um, developed it for their business, the business that they worked in. They weren't in a marketing ops role yet. Took that to their leadership and created a new function called a new role called marketing ops, and she moved into that role. And I, I tell you, and I know you teach a course too, so so you might have heard, you might have, you know, heartwarming stories like that. But I will tell you, it was very moving, and I felt very fulfilled to 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 see that kind of impact. You know what I mean? Um, so 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 just awesome. I also heard a, a recent one. Shout out to Katie. She was a former student of mine. Gave me a call actually on her way to Hawaii. She had just got a job at Hawaiian Airlines as the marketing ops leader over there. So just wonderful stories that have come up, come out of the course that, that, you know, um, um, I, I just think that I'm, I'm very, I feel very fortunate that to have, to have been part of this, this initiative to help people, um, in this, uh, profession that I, I'm so, I so love. Yeah. I love that. It's a spirit of paying it forward. Hmm. And the great thing is, you know, you never worked at Hawaiian airlines, but yet, the lessons that you imparted were malleable enough that someone could then take them and go get a job. It's someplace that they're super excited about. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. And in like a beautiful place. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love Hawaii. I think I saw, I, I think I was in a meeting with you before and you were, you were there, you were like on vacation or something. Yeah. It's funny. I did a, I did the mad kudu um, marketing ops confession. Yes, episode. Yeah. I remember that was yeah. it. That was it. I remember. Next to the all Y canal. <laughs> awesome. So this is the ending part of the, you know, the interview. If you could travel back in time and meet, you know, younger Daryl, you know, what advice would you give to your younger self knowing what you know now? I would do two things. 
I would say, and I, I, I try to tell myself this, this every year, it just doesn't work, but I'm still going to try, you know, don't take things so seriously. I, I, I would definitely like recommend that. Like, like, yes, it's good to, to put effort into your work. Yes. It's good to solve tough problems, but you don't need to suffer during it. You know, you don't need to be up all night. You don't need to be stressed. Um, that thing I think is a choice, you know, working hard and delivering value is, you know, you, you need to do that, but, but suffering because of anxiety and stress, you, you don't, you don't have to. So everything that you can do to stop that, I, I think is worth it. The other thing is I would definitely be more confident, you know, and trust my own judgment. I, you know, there were several times and not to like, you know, talk trash about people, but I remember many times that I would come across someone more senior and that would either put down my ideas or want to go in a different direction. And I would just tell myself, well, this person's better or, or this person's doing it longer than me. They know best. You know, I, I should just be quiet. They know best. And I look back and I, and I think, oh my God, we did the wrong thing. Like I was right. You know? So I think that if you, if you care about, if you've done your homework, you care about the business and you know you 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 you've put in the effort. You should trust your judgment. You're probably right, and um, um, it's important to stand up for your ideas and to tell other people how you feel and um, uh, or or what your thoughts are. And, and I think that that's a, a very important thing that I would advise myself and, and others. I love that. Hey, Daryl, for those who are listening, where can they connect and learn more about you? LinkedIn, please. So I'm Daryl Alfonso on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Demand Daryl. But honestly, LinkedIn is is the place where I publish content and connect with others. So please follow me or connect with me there. Awesome. And you still call it Twitter, not X. Oh, shoot. Times are changing. <laughs> it's changing too fast for me, Jeff. I, we're old timers, man. Old, <laughs> we are. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Follow me on X, the old Twitter. All right. All right. Thanks for coming by, Daryl. Thank you.